I was just watching your highlights on the Battle of the Blades, and you mentioned your dad didn't want you in hockey. How'd that make you? How'd that make you feel? Uh, as a kid, it didn't really rattle me too much. I think I was just such a young kid, and I was having so much fun playing it that um, I didn't really know that he didn't want me. He didn't. He never verbally said it to me. He just said it to my mother. So my mom. Uh, kept that info privy to herself and uh, went about her own business in terms of making sure I got the proper equipment and uh, signed me up for hockey herself and figured, you know, if her daughter was having fun playing this game, then she was going to do her best to make sure that she had all the opportunities that she could to play. So thankfully for my mother uh, and her determination in finding me equipment and registering me, uh, she she got me playing and it didn't take long for my dad to jump on board, to be honest. It was just I think an initial thought that came to his mind back then, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, he doesn't regret anything that my mother did, definitely nowadays, seeing how everything kind of played out. And of course, how was it like back then being a female playing with male players? Uh, you know what, I feel like growing up in Sudbury, uh, gosh, there wasn't many girls teams up there at the time, so um, I was playing street hockey with all of these young boys anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, we played on an outdoor hockey team, so I think everyone was more worried about staying warm than they were the fact that there was a little girl on their team. Uh, but I wasn't the only one. There was another young player named Kaylee and Christine on my team, and uh, we played against a young girl named Katie Johnson as well, who is Rebecca Johnson's older sister who plays on the Canadian national hockey team right now. So um, there was a group of us, there was a herd of us, that's for sure, who were interested in wanting to play hockey. And, um, yeah, we kind of nudged our way into a little boys' league, and for the most part, all the parents were very accept- accepting, and the guys just loved having us around. I mean, it didn't matter. We were being picked for mini-stick teams when our mini-stick tournaments would come about when we were away on the road playing in tournaments together and just having a grand old time. Again, it was the game that mattered, right? It wasn't uh, what gender we were. Yeah, because hockey is a Canadian game, and like it's embracing it of no matter what ethnicity, race, gender you are. We we love our sport, and the more the merrier is the kind of aspect we give to it. Um, I, I mean this with all due respect, because uh, I don't want the interview to end right now, but uh, I think you're a, a feisty player, and seeing some of your interviews, you give off a so what, I'm a female attitude. I can do what any male can do, and to be honest, I admire that quality. Where did you pick up this kind of trait? Oh, gosh. The way I played um, was, hmm, I want to say, influenced by my father, who knew that I wasn't going to be a um, a very large in stature girl. Um, I wasn't going to be one of the bigger girls out there that could roughhouse. And uh, he knew if I was playing with boys that I would have to be able to hold my own. So it was his plan to, I guess, have me watch and mimic the play of Darius Kasparitis. <laughs> who was a very tenacious and wild and scary hockey player to play against. Uh, I'm sure if you could interview Mario Lemieux or anybody that got a chance to play against him, they'd tell you that they'd rather play with him than against him. And that's the kind of hockey that my dad wanted me to play. So from a very young age, I guess I could say I was influenced by that play uh, in terms of the style of play that he played and as well my dad coached a uh, college hockey team in Sudbury called Cambrian uh, Golden Shield and they were also a very tough hockey team as well so I grew up watching them uh, kind of beat up on some teams so 
uh, that's where the physicality and the nastiness kind of came from. But as far as, um, you know, being able to do anything any male can do or, or setting my mind to something and sticking with it, um, yeah, I, I attribute that to both my parents and my sister, um, even my grandparents. I feel like, you know, that we were always, I was always taught that the world was my oyster and it had everything I needed. All I had to do was ask and work hard and, uh, you know, as a kid, my dad always said to my sister and I, you know, when I when I retire, I'm going to need a boat and a racehorse. Who's going to buy me one of those? Someone's going to have to be a, a doctor and a lawyer, you know, and you guys are going to be the best doctor and lawyers out there. And it was like, you know, we could be whatever we wanted and we could get those great jobs and we could be good at it. And I feel like I grew up with a, a single grandmother, a widowed grandmother my whole life who raised her uh, children on her own and... Um, you know, to to see how strong and independent she is and how she carried two jobs at times on her own just to support my mom and her sisters and brother and um, the way she just made things work kind of, I guess as a young kid, you're a sponge and you're picking up on these things whether you know it or not. And uh, thanks to the encouragement of my dad and, and my mom and, you know, the, the example set by my grandmother, I feel like um, it's not just myself, it's my, my sister, all my cousins, you know, we're just know what we like to do, know what we want to do, and, and we get after it. And as far as we're concerned, there's no barrier that's going to get in our way. That's great. I mean, the the reason I kind of brought that up is because when I was listening to the whole Battle of the Blades, the little piece they did on you, the intro they give you is more or less Wade Belak mentioned uh, that he said, oh, now that she's here, there goes all my female votes. And you kind of chuckled at it. And then you said, you know, uh, which what female or what girl doesn't like beating a guy? Let's be honest. And I thought, like, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool for her to just come out and say it as if to say, like, you know, I'm here to win. I'm not here just to, uh, you know, be a chaperone or just be a second fiddle. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah the- it was a great show. The other thing that I'm going to mention here is you were a hockey player. You turned broadcaster now with TSN. I want to know, when you were playing hockey, did you feel like women's hockey was being undermined or not as valued as much as the men's? Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously there needs to be um, a following. I mean, when I started playing in the CWHL, um, there was only one league, right? There wasn't two. So there wasn't the NWHL and the CWHL competing for, um, I guess, broadcast rights or fandom, uh, fanship, I guess I could say. But um, from the beginning, the first year that I played in 2010 in the CWHL compared to the last year when I retired in 2014, um, I feel like the the amount of fans and followers that we had tripled and almost quadrupled and it was amazing to see the growth of the game and um, the coverage we were getting from TSN and and Sportsnet and CBC was there and and obviously it's going to grow as our game grows. Um, We're still trying to figure our league out as well in terms of finding a way to get these young ladies paid for the work that they put in and the games that they play and um, I think the growth of our game has has always continued to to rise we haven't really diminished in any way shape or form yet which is a positive and i think as long as we continue doing that and we don't uh, grow too quickly and what i mean by that is um not taking on not biting off too much uh, more than we can chew i guess and i think that right now the cwhl is doing a fantastic job 
in terms of taking the steps, sometimes baby steps needed to move forward to make sure that, you know, the, the product is there, uh, the product quality is there. Um, right now, our, our Collection Cup tournament is being covered. It's aired on national TV. And, um, yeah, I feel like it's not like we're being completely shut out. Uh, the main difference, obviously, between the men and the women is that they have a, um, a well-funded, highly sustainable league that is on national broadcast every night. And, of course, they're making a pretty penny while doing it. Um, but that being said, uh, our game's still young and it's still growing, and we're appreciative of everything we have now and all the opportunities we do get. The other thing I want to mention here is how does it make you feel when you hear broadcasters um, point out that a female player is a mother or is married to so-and-so, like a celebrity? Does it upset you? Does it kind of dis- d- diminish what you've accomplished? Um, no, because Sportsnet runs features on um, their players, uh, the men in the NHL um, who have had children. Uh, they mention it when they have kids. Uh, Mike Fisher, everybody knows that he's married to Carrie Underwood. So uh, it's tit for tat, I guess. I mean, it's who we are as people. Um, you know, that's what that's what people like about social media nowadays is that they can get to know the athlete on a more personal level. Uh, and that's just a part of us. Um, now, if they get into personal information in terms of whether your relationship is going well or not, I don't think that is news. But um I don't think that would make or break or, or uh, the, me changing the channel by any means of watching anything, and I don't take any offense to it. But if that's going to be the only thing they report uh, based on who you're married to, um, having it be a celebrity or not, um, I would have to say that whoever that reporter would be maybe might want to do a little bit more homework. All right. No, I just brought it up because I feel like in hockey they don't do it as – I guess as badly as other sports. Like I know there's a commercial. I don't know if it's on TV or if I've seen it on YouTube, but they mention about um, sometimes when Jeannie Bouchard is playing tennis, uh, someone will say, "Oh, nice outfit. Who who made your outfit?" Rather than focusing on her game. And they did a piece of they had I think Crosby in it and um, a famous soccer player. And the questions they were asked them were more based on their appearance and what they were wearing rather than their game. So, do you think that? in that kind of aspect does that annoy you a bit or is it something that it just kind of it's something that we've got to get away from uh i I honestly personally i've never been asked a question about my attire but um again i mean men's suits uh when as they're walking into hockey rinks get um i guess a lot of publicity uh pkc bands involved in fashion (laughs) um Unfortunately, we're a materialistic society, and things like that come to the forefront. But um, sometimes, I guess, the the proper questions that should be asked get missed, especially in sports like tennis. I don't know if you've ever sat in on um, some of the interviews that take place after a match, but they're rather painful um, on the male or female side. Uh, But I think that all just comes down to uh, who the reporter is and what kind of knowledge they have based on sport as opposed to um i guess their personal interests and obviously if, if only the appearance is being um looked at or asked about i mean those questions are ridiculous and shouldn't be asked um you know a, a male tennis player or a male athlete's never going to be asked to twirl in their tennis dress which um those things do happen and it's unfortunate but 
Uh, the good news is, is that usually when those things happen, there's a large outcry on social media and Twitter. So it just goes to show that uh, the masses don't stand for something like that. Do you think the aspect of the world of social media and Facebook makes it kind of a more leveled field in the sense like there's more people speaking out about it? Or do you see that as kind of being harmful, that more people are being overly picky? Uh, uh, for what, sorry? Um, just in the aspect like you just mentioned about if, for example, you have an athlete, like a woman athlete, and they were asked to, to twirl, because we have social media now and people can tweet about, like, how dare that person ask her to do that, and then you'd have so many supporters, do you think that's a good thing, or do you think they're just being overly picky? A good thing to have social media for that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything, right? And I feel like with the good comes the bad. So, um, obviously, whether... Twitter was there or not, um, I'm sure, let's say, for instance, Jeannie Bouchard was asked to twirl once. Um, if Twitter wasn't there, she would have received a boatload of fan mail, um, and that, that network probably would have received a boatload of hate mail <laughs> in terms of supporting her and saying that they shouldn't have done that. Um, but, I mean, I enjoy Twitter. I think it gives everyone an outlet to... I guess, vent or show their support. I just don't like it when um, people take it to a severely negative area in terms of cyberbullying or or things like that. And let's change shifts. See what I did there, Tessa? Shifts? Let's hockey? Yeah. Uh, uh, in 2014, you joined TSN as a reporter uh, and anchor. Uh, now that you're on the media side, uh, can you kind of explain how that came to be? Uh, it was a fluke, actually. Um, I was on Battle of the Blades, and Annie Petrillo at the time was working at Leafs TV, and she had just signed a contract with CBC Hockey Night in Canada, and she was going to be leaving uh, Leafs TV uh, in a couple of months, I believe it was. And I had gotten a phone call asking if I'd be interested in doing some part-time work for them. Okay. And I decided, sure, might as well go in and try it out. Uh, it wasn't what I had taken in school. And, um, and I, yeah, I just went with it and figured this was an easy way to make some cash and to be able to continue to train and play hockey. And I ended up falling in love with it. Uh, Leafs TV kind of opened the door to this whole new world for myself and gave me nothing but support and help. And I feel like, uh, I was able to get better day in and day out. And they put me in a lot of different situations where, um, I was able to learn, uh, make mistakes, um, not in front of a, a huge uh, viewership either, which was nice, because uh, I don't know how Cassie Campbell did it, but she grew up in front of like 5.6 million people every weekend, which is crazy to me. But um, it was a nice way to get my feet wet in the industry to figure out what I like doing in the industry. And um, yeah, I ended up not really using my <laughs> my college degree and going with a completely different um, career path. So I don't regret any part of it. I love it. I love the people I work with. I love the job that I get to do every day. Um, I love the company I work for. And I mean, hey, I'm talking sports. It's, you know, either I'd be doing it at work or at home over a beer with a bunch of friends. So very lucky and very blessed. Yeah. And just out of pure interest, what did you take in college? I took speech language pathology. Okay. And what does that entail? Uh, so I wanted to be a speech-language pathologist, so if you had any type of speech pathology, like a lisp or a stutter or anything like that, I would help correct it. Okay, that's kind of that's really cool. Um, yeah. 
Do you feel women are equal to men in the media, like um, especially in sports media? Justin, I know we talked about the coverage, but do you think now that you're on the news side, do you feel like um, if you had an opinion or if you had something to say or brought up something in a meeting that you're just as valued as a male's opinion? In a meeting for a sports center? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, our producers are very open to, um, I guess, discussion about what goes into our show, and um, we're able to fight for um, reasons why we think certain packs should be either higher up or lower in the show. And um, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but it rarely has to do with the fact that you're a female. Um, in the industry in itself, uh, TSN aside, I find that there is a major void in uh, female analysts. And I know Cassie Campbell's gone on the panel before, and she's done a fantastic job um, doing so. Uh, but I just feel like there's no female analysts out there, and I think that there's uh, an opportunity for some networks to make a huge splash in the industry, and there are some very talented and um, educated young women out there who can do a fantastic job and I think would be bring a unique um, approach or opinion to a panel. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the only part that's really lacking in the industry. Obviously, there's a lot of women working sideline reporting. Uh, there's a lot of women doing some hosting. Um, not a lot doing some play-by-play -play or color. So I guess there's still some areas where we're breaking ground and trying to make some um, legroom for ourselves. But, uh, I mean, I feel like I get nothing but support from from the network that I work for and from my coworkers and, and things like that. So, um I definitely don't feel suppressed or oppressed in any way. Um, I just know that uh, there are some areas in the industry where women can still be implemented. And why do you feel, uh, just out of your own opinion, why do you think that there isn't a lot of females in the play-by-play or color category? I don't think many of them have come up through, um, I guess, college or university or whatever it may be, calling games at a midget level or a junior level. Um, or anything like that. So uh, there's a little bit of a void right now, but, I mean, leave it to one woman to get on the airwaves, and I think that the floodgates will bust right open. What do you think the issue is, if there is one, uh, in how women are seen in the media? Do you think there's an issue in how they're seen, or do you think that it's pretty much they're, they're on the same par as males? Seen by view viewers or yeah, seen by yeah, like seen by viewers or seen by the networks, whichever one that you want to kind of prefer. Because I know with um, with some cases, a lot of people like, for instance, um, the Emily Andrew. I think yeah, the Emily Andrews case. Um, when it came, Andrews, yeah. yeah, when it came out, a lot of people were. You had people that were supporting, but you also had a lot of people that were kind of saying. Oh, she she brought on herself, but like I feel like if that was a male thing, it do, well actually it doesn't happen so much to the males. But do you think how how do you react to that kind of environment or those kind of when you see those kind of tweets or stories? Um, you kind of get used to them when you're in the industry. I feel like when the first year I I came into it, it was a little bit shocking, but um, then you kind of think about the types of people that are tweeting those things, and they all kind of roll off your back, but. Um, I don't know. I feel like for the most part, if and when I'm out and about in the city and, and out talking to a bunch of people at a hockey game or a basketball game or whatnot, uh, for the most part, they appreciate our input and appreciate our 
opinions on certain situations and certain teams and they want to talk sports so uh it's rare that you'll come across a hater face to face yeah. <laughs> uh, the keyboard seems to be a pretty easy way for for people to um vent i guess or unload some of their own self-loathing um but for the most part i think we're appreciated in the industry um unless we're terrible at our job yeah. then uh, by all means if we haven't done our homework and we're doing something bad i guess we deserve to hear it from our bosses um but other than that i think that um you know i, I haven't met one person that said they don't like jen hedger's coverage on tsn sports center or nobody likes natasha in the morning i mean for the most part um i like her coverage i like the way she delivers sports news i she's very well versed in all sports and so um i mean as long as you're a chick and you're into sports i think male and female will respect that and enjoy your coverage and yeah. the rest they don't really matter I agree. I mean, when I'm watching Natasha and Kate in the morning, or if I even see you on the TV, I, I'm looking and saying, like, now she knows what she's talking about, so I'm going to stay tuned and listen. Especially when it's a female talking about female hockey that's played the sport, it's even better. Do you think yeah. that uh, your hockey uh, background also helped you in, in this field? Like, do you think that you get more credibility from being a former player as well? Oh, uh, you'd be surprised at the amount of people that had no idea that I played hockey. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, which is fine, and I don't mind that at all. Um, it, I, working with TSN and working with Leafs TV has been a learning process for myself. Like I said, I I never went to uh, university or college for any part of this, so every day on the job was another day in class for me. And um, I was fortunate enough to have uh, Chris Hebb, who was the man who first uh, discovered me and hired me at Leafs TV, and then again uh, Stuart Johnson and Mark Millier to take a chance on me and hire me at TSN. So um, they've all been very patient and they've all given me ample opportunity to get better at my job and to improve every day. And, you know, I just do my best every time I come in not to let them down and to try and improve on one thing um, every time I step in that newsroom and on that set. So, um, you know, I, I still feel like I'm a baby in this business, which I am, and I still feel like I have so much more to learn. And um, I get excited every time I get to go to work because I'm eager to learn and I'm eager to get better at a job that I love. So I think I've been put in a pretty sweet situation and I think that having played hockey um, helps me in a sense that now I have something new to direct my passion and my drive uh, to be good at something for and uh, you know athletes are very competitive but more so we're competitive with ourselves and I think that's what helps us be successful in life and hopefully can help me continue to be successful in the business. Do you think women have come a long way? Yeah, I mean, gosh, we weren't we weren't able to vote. <laughs> now we can vote. Uh, I think that um, you know we're we're still continuing to push and and obviously make headway in, in the sporting world and things like that and uh, for equality in terms of uh, equal wages and all that. But um, from what I see from the younger generations coming up and even from people my age or people like Lisa Flam who ahead of me. Um, we've got some strong, independent-driven women out there who don't stop at anything. So um, I think the future is bright for all of us, and I'm excited to see what uh, the next five to ten years can bring. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good answer. Um, personally, how do you think you're seen uh, by viewers or in the media? Do you, do you see yourself as a role model, or do you see yourself as just kind of uh, a person that got, got lucky and really just thrived at what she was kind of given? I feel like anybody who is 
uh, viewed in a public eye is, is has a, a responsibility to be a role model. So I do definitely carry myself, but I see myself as um, uh, a northern girl. I feel like I, I grew up in northern Ontario, and I'm pretty laid back and chill. Um, you know, I like steak and potatoes, and I drink beer. I feel like I'm no different than the next person, but at the same time, I um, I want to set the proper example for uh, young girls who watch TV and watch TSN or who watch me play hockey, and I want them to strive to be good Samaritans and, you know, to treat others regardless of their race, gender, ethnicity, or what it be, uh, the way they want to be treated. And um, Because I feel like that's the way I was brought up, and that's the way I treat my neighbors. And Do you think all these things helped you, or did you always feel kind of destined that, you know, once I'm done hockey, I want to become a broadcaster? Uh, no, that was never on my mind. I never knew I wanted to be a broadcaster. Um, I'm the type of person who rarely says no to an opportunity. Um, I always think, you know, if if something's presented to you, it's presented to you for a reason. You might as well check it out. You can always back out after, but um, if you never check it out, you never know. So um, I think everyone has opportunities thrown at them throughout their life. It's just a matter of what you end up doing with them. And call it luck, call it what you will, but... Um, I found something that tickled my fancy and I, I threw my heart and soul into it and that I ended up being broadcasting and um, I saw an opportunity when Chris Hebb called me and told me Andy Petrillo was leaving Leafs TV um, saying that they needed a, a part-time uh, anchor, reporter, host, uh, analyst um, and I saw an opportunity to make money so I could survive and continue training for hockey living in downtown Toronto Um if I didn't have that opportunity, I probably would have had to have, uh, I don't know, moved home or something like that or found another job. And um, I thought it was something that was going to be fun. And uh, it turned out being just that. I mean, had I not enjoyed it, I probably would have uh, finished out the year, thanked them for the opportunity, and, and gone on and done my master's in speech-language pathology. So uh, it's funny how things work out sometimes, but that's kind of how... I found my calling in life, and I'm sure someone's got a very similar story, and at the same time, I'm sure someone else has a completely different one, but that's just the way my path was paved, and um, I made sure to take advantage of all the opportunities that were presented to me, and I'm, and I, I'm, I'm going to continue living that way as well. And finally, the last question. Uh, I hope this doesn't uh, get too upsetting or just make sure that <laughs> I have this wording right, but do you, do, you think, do you think yourself as being one of the boys, or are you still one of the girls who just... Uh, love playing hockey, grew up playing hockey, and really strive to set an example for the next generation? Oh, I don't see myself as one of the boys or girls. I feel like, um, you know, I, I grew up with a, a group of friends that, you know, the guys and the women hung out together, and, uh, you know, gender didn't really matter. We, we were all just pretty chill and relaxed and I feel like the same thing goes in the newsroom with you know whether it be Dutch, Kate, Natasha, Nabil, whomever it may be, Brian Mudrick, we all I mean if we're all going to go out we'll, we'll text each other and we'll meet up with each other and conversations are the same regardless of who's at the table with us so um, yeah I don't know I feel like uh, as long as you're a good person and you're, you treat uh, people with respect and uh, kindness. I think that uh, you'll be a joy to be around, and people will want you to be either one of the guys or one of the ladies. So that's the motto I kind of live by. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Tessa Bunham for coming on the show. 
Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thanks for listening and good night. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Come on a journey like no other where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.